0: This morning, uh, we're going to begin to take a break from uh, the Kiss the Sun series, where we've been in Psalms, and uh, we'll be doing Psalms 1 through 25 in that series. But we're going to take a break, and we're going to start a series called The God Who. And it's a, uh, we're going to take a break for five weeks, focusing on some attributes of God so we become closer to Him and know Him better. Uh, next week, it'll be The God Who Loves, Then the God who judges. After that, the God who redeems. And then, finally, the God who is present. Today, we're going to consider the God who speaks. And as we go through today's sermon, uh, there are a lot of verses that I'll be referencing. Not all of them will be displayed. I just want you to be aware of that. Uh, Going, where is the verse? Uh, Because I've just got a lot, and I, you know, I didn't want to overwhelm the tech people. Um, So, the God who speaks. You know, we speak a lot of words. Uh, The words we speak can be helpful or they can be harmful. Think of the last time that you said something that was hurtful to someone. And then think about how many more words did it take to relieve that hurt. Or how many more words will it take to relieve the hurt. It doesn't take long for us to think about that, to realize that much of what we say, much of what we speak can be harmful to one another. And speaking of speaking, my software program tells me that uh, I can speak about 70 words in the space of a minute. It also tells me that uh, this sermon, I will speak 4,554 words. And uh, I thought about that for a second, and I did the math, uh, and that comes to just over 65 minutes of speaking time. So either there's a problem with my software, uh, or we're going to be here a while. But the bigger question, of course, is when, when it comes to speaking, is will our words have any usefulness or impact when we speak? The Bible recognizes that our words do have impact. Proverbs 15: A soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. Proverbs 18: Death and fire are death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruits. James 3, 5 through 10. So also the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts of great things. How great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire. And the tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life, and set on fire by hell. For every kind of beast and bird or reptile... But we're not here to talk about our speaking. We're here to talk about God speaking, and his speaking is different from ours. And as we go through today, I want to just scratch the surface of the character of God speaking, and in doing so, reveal some of the character of God himself. The character of God speaking could be summed up in Ezekiel 12.25. And in Ezekiel there, um, Ezekiel and the Jews have been exiled to Babylon. And the Jews there were constantly looking for some uh, vision, some prophecy that would uh, let them know that the exile would end soon, that they wouldn't have to be there long, that God would restore them. But those visions weren't coming. Some visions were coming, and they were visions that weren't true and didn't come true. So God, had, of course, had known all this, and he goes to Ezekiel, and he tells Ezekiel to say this to the people, Ezekiel 12, 24, and 25, For there shall be no more any false vision or flattering divination within the house of Israel. For I am the Lord. I will speak the word that I will speak, and it will be performed. It will no longer be delayed, but in your days, O rebellious house, I will speak the word and perform it, declares the Lord God. That sums up God speaking. He speaks the word, and it's performed. God speaking is very different from our speaking. So today we're going to look at the God who speaks with power, the God who speaks by his acts, the God who speaks in witness of himself, and then finally the God who speaks in Jesus. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for speaking to us. Thank you for revealing yourself to us. Thank you, Lord, for communicating with us because if you didn't, we would have no idea who you are. We can look around the world and see creation and and see uh, that there's something going on, that there must be something that created everything. But, Father, unless you speak to us, we won't know you. So thank you for speaking, and thank you for speaking to us. And thank you, Father, for revealing yourself to us. And I pray this morning, Father, that through your word today, that we get a little deeper glimpse of who you are and of what you desire from us. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So, the God who speaks in power. If, um, if next uh, weekend I tell my wife, uh, I'm going to go to church on Sunday, and I don't go, there are some possibilities as to why I don't go. Either I have no ability to affect what is necessary to go to church. I didn't put gas in the car. I slept two hours late. Either way, that makes my words powerless. Or perhaps I actually chose not to go after saying I would, which at the least makes my speech useless. Or perhaps I have lied, which makes my words untrustworthy and unrighteous. When God speaks, he speaks in power and in righteousness. When he speaks, he has the power to fulfill his words, and he exercises that power in righteousness. And we can see God's power in three ways. There are many ways we could we could be here all day talking about God speaking in His power, but three ways I want to highlight. First is in creation. Genesis one three said says God said, "Let there be light," and there was light. Psalm thirty three six says, "By the word of the Lord the heavens were made, and by the breath of His mouth all their host." Let's be clear here, to uh, with not too many apologies to people who believe otherwise. But when God speaks, when he created, when he said, let there be light, there was light and it was instantaneous. It was right there. When he said, uh, let the, uh, the sea swarm with living creatures, it happened instantaneously. God's word, his, as Psalm 33, 33 says, his very breath affected creation. Second way we see God's power is in resurrection. Now, there's no specific text that God spoke the resurrection, but it's clear that he caused the resurrection, and it's clear he commanded it. John 10, 17 and 18, For this reason the Father loves me, because I lay down my life that I might take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it up again, this charge I have received from my Father. Isn't it a great thing that God has the power to effect resurrection? Not only with Jesus Christ, but with us, with those who believe. And then number three, God's word produces in us justification and righteousness. Romans 5, 6 through 11. For while we were still weak, at the right time Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would even dare to die. But God chose his love for us in that we were still sinners. Christ died for us. God spoke salvation, and in speaking salvation, he exercised his power to accomplish it. And part of the power that he accomplished in salvation is making those who believe, you and me, justified in spite of our sin. Justified in spite of our rebellion. Justified in spite of our hostility toward God before we became believers. So God speaks in power, and God speaks by his acts. Depending on how you count, God directly speaks in the scriptures 5,951 times. I went through the Bible and counted every time. No, I didn't. But this count doesn't include all the times that Jesus spoke. It doesn't include the times that the Holy Spirit is quoted as speaking. I want to look at just a few of those ways that God acts in his speaking. And again, we go back to creation, Isaiah 42. Thus says the Lord... Uh, I'm sorry, thus says God, the Lord, who created the heavens and stretched them out, who spread out the earth and what comes from it and gives breath to the people on it and spirit to those who walk in it. The act of creation, the result of the act of creation is that we see God in it. We see him speaking in it. In Romans it talks about how uh, all people have to do is to look around and see God in creation. God speaks in in what He creates. I have some pictures to show you. We can put the first one up. Is it up there? It is. That's the uh, black-browed babbler. Now I like this just because it sounds cool. The black brown babbler, and and there's a joke in there, but I I, I fear for my safety, so I'm not going to say it. Uh, this bird was thought to be extinct. But it was found in 2020 in Borneo. Let's put the next one up. That's a yellow lobster. Have you ever seen a yellow lobster? Some people here don't care that it's yellow. They just care that it's a lobster, and they're thinking about dinner right now. <laughs> Technically, this is not a new species, but this occurs only one in 30 million lobsters. It was caught. This one was caught in 2020. Okay, the next one. I like saying this one, too. This is called the pig snout brittle star. This is a new creature that was found in New Guinea in 2019. Uh, um, I'm sorry, not in not New Guinea. It was a, found somewhere else. But uh, this is not only a new sea star, it's a new family of sea stars. Never seen before. Never discovered before 2019. And then the next one, the cat's-eye cardinal fish. Big eye. This critter was found in Papua New Guinea in 2019, also a new critter that hadn't been seen before. And then my favorite of this group, the next one. This is a yellow peng- yellow king penguin. <clears throat> this had never been seen before. This was found off the coast of Georgia back in 2019. Also a new species uh, of penguin. I love penguins. I have penguins all over my house. I have to get one of these now. In 2019, 71 new species of animals were found. Think about that for a second. God is so creative, he's so magnificent in his creativity and his imagination that we haven't even discovered everything he's created. I love hearing, uh, I hear it every now and again, you probably have heard it too, that uh, somebody finds some new creature in, in the depths of the ocean. Well, God created that creature when he created everything. That creature's been, you know, running around doing its thing at the bottom of the ocean, but we've only recently seen them. I I love God's creativity. He speaks, his acts, his acts show his speech. And then, second, God speaks in his uh, miraculous acts. And I could have used a whole lot of scriptures for this, but I chose one out of Habakkuk. Uh, Habakkuk, uh, the prophet, complains to God. He's complaining to God about the sin that he sees all around him. And he's not complaining about the sin of the Assyrians or the Babylonians or other folks, the Egyptians. He's complaining about the sin that he sees in his own people, their idolatry and their disobedience to God. And Habakkuk goes to God and he says, God, what are you going to do about it? Well, God answers him. God says, look. Look among the nations and see, wonder, and be astounded. For I am doing a work in your days that you would not believe if told. For behold, I am raising up the Chaldeans, that bitter and hasty nation who marched through the breadth of the earth to seize dwellings not their own. God told Habakkuk that he was going to use the Chaldeans, the Babylonians, to come and execute judgment on the Jews for their idolatry and disobedience. That's a miraculous act. It's something, is, it says that you, he, Habakkuk wouldn't believe if, it, if he had been told about it. God speaks in his acts. And then God speaks in salvation. Isaiah 46, listen to me, you stubborn of heart, you who are far from righteousness. I bring near my righteousness. It is not far off, and my salvation will not delay. I will put salvation in Zion for Israel, my glory. And then God speaks in love. Psalm eighty nine twenty four through 28. My faithfulness and my steadfast love shall be with him and in, and in my name shall his horn be exalted. I will set his hand on the sea and his right hand on the rivers. He shall cry to me, you are my father, my God, and the rock of my salvation. And I will make him the firstborn, the highest of the kings of the earth. My steadfast love I will keep for him forever. My covenant will stand firm for him. And then the, finally, the character of God speaking is both truthful and eternal. Psalm 119, 151, and 152. But you are near, O Lord, and all your commandments are true. Long have I known from your testimonies that you have founded them forever. So when God acts, we see him. We see his character. We see what he reveals about himself when he acts. And we pray a lot, as we should. And God answers our prayer a lot. Sometimes he answers it in ways we don't like or expect. But he does answer prayer. And there are times when we pray that God does answer in the way we desire. And we are often surprised by that. And I suppose we we should be. But consider that when God answers, that is him speaking, declaring himself. That is him communicating with you about who he is and about his character. So we've seen the God who speaks with power. We've seen the God who speaks through his acts, and now we want to look at the God who speaks in witness of himself. When God speaks, when he acts, we do see things about him, but it goes deeper than that. God is witnessing to himself when he speaks. In the Old Testament, God speaking as witness is seen everywhere, and it comes in many forms, but there is a unique phrase that is used specifically to demonstrate God's witness of himself by what he does this phrase is always associated with specific actions of god and it always demonstrates that he is lord the phrase is and you'll recognize this the phrase is they shall <coughs> excuse me they shall know that i am the lord that phrase has some variations to it it might be you shall know that i am the lord or that you may know or that you that you will know that i am the lord but the point is is that when god speaks in the thing he does we can know him. And there's more of a there's a more personal aspect to this. It's as, if God, it's as if God is saying, This act, this thing that I'm doing will show you who I am. The phrase is used 88 times in the Old Testament. 72 of those times it's used in the book of Ezekiel. I particularly like the book of Ezekiel. Uh, maybe someday we'll we'll preach in it. But it's used. Most of the times that phrase is used, it's used in the book of Ezekiel. So I want to look at just a few of those times, not all 72, I promise. First of all, in Ezekiel 5.13, Thus shall my anger spend itself, and I will vent my fury upon them and satisfy myself. And they shall know that I am the Lord, that I have spoken in my jealousy when I spend my fury on them. We know God acts in judgment, and we can see that he is a just God. When he acts in that way, and when he speaks about what he 's going to do in judgment, secondly, God will renew his people and the land and this is this passage in Ezekiel seventeen um, is uh, uses metaphor, but it 's talking about israel 's future it 's talking about what god 's going to do for them uh, when he fully redeems them, thus says the Lord God will I will, ta- I will Myself take a sprig from the lofty top of the cedar and will set it out. I will break off from the topmost of its young twigs, twigs a tender one, and I myself will plant it on a high and lofty mountain. On the mountain height of Israel I will plant it, that it may bear branches and produce fruit and become a noble cedar. And under it will dwell every kind of bird. In the shade of its branches, every sort will rest. And all the trees of the field shall know that I am the Lord. (coughs) Pardon me every tree of the field shall know that I am the Lord <coughs> God will renew his covenant even with covenant breakers Ezekiel 16 for thus says the Lord I will deal with you as, I, as you have done you have despised the oath despised the oath in breaking the covenant yet I will remember my covenant with you in the days of your youth and I will establish for you an everlasting covenant I will establish my covenant with you and you shall know that I am the Lord. And then in Ezekiel 37, 27 and 28. My dwelling place shall be with them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Then the nations will know that I am the Lord who sanctifies Israel when my sanctuary is in their midst for forevermore. When Israel is established, <clears throat> when they're fully redeemed, The nations will look upon it and they'll go, that's God. They may not like it. They may resent it. They may fight against it. But they will know that it's God that does it. And then finally, where I want to spend most of our time this morning (coughs) is in that the God who speaks in Jesus. (coughs) Hebrews 1, 1 through 4. Long ago, yet many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed the heir of all things through whom he also created the world. He is the radiance of God's glory, of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. He upholds the universe by the word of his power. After making purifications for sin, purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of majesty on high, having come become much superior to angels as the name he has inherited is more excellent than theirs. <clears throat> the purpose of the author of Hebrews was to demonstrate here in, in the first chapter that, God, or that Jesus was greater than angels. He later talks about how Jesus is greater than Moses and how Jesus is greater than Mechizedek. But in, in expressing this, he's showing us some things about Christ and about how God spoke in Christ. How God spoke? Well, he spoke in many ways. We see that God spoke directly to people. He did it through visions, through dreams. Through prophecy, through direct communication, through nonverbal communication, all kinds of ways, God also spoke many times. The word, or the pass, or the your translation might say, for many times, many portions. The many the word portions or the word times means parts, and simply means that's a good way to, ex- to express how God spoke to people in the Old Testament. God spoke to Moses here. He spoke to David here. He spoke to Abraham there. He spoke to Daniel here, and so on. All these various parts. <clears throat> and and the, that God spoke in these ways and that God commuted, communicated about himself in these ways is true. But you can imagine, for, especially for a first century Jewish believer, it, be, it might be hard to uh, see all the things that God spoke about himself and to put them together. The point is, is that the picture wasn't complete yet. And then he spoke in Jesus. The clear implication of the passage by the author is that it is through Jesus that the picture is completed. It is through Jesus God has fully and completely spoken. It's not to say that uh, God doesn't speak anymore, but it's to say that God has communicated who he is. He's communicated his character. He's communicated his plan of salvation. He's communicated how people can come to him and be his people. And then the author... It speaks of several things that Jesus accomplished. I'll spend time a lot of time talking about them, but I just want to mention them. God or Jesus appointed Jesus God appointed Jesus heir of all things. God created the world through Jesus. Jesus upholds the universe through the word of his power. In Colossians 1:16 and 17 it says, For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through him and for him, and he is before all things, <clears throat> and in him all things hold together. <clears throat> Jesus made purification for sins. Colossians 1, 19 and 20, For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of the cross. And then Jesus sat down at God's right hand. Philippians 2, 9 through 11. Therefore God has highly exalted him, exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth, and under the earth and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. <clears throat> so the author of Hebrews reviews what Jesus has accomplished, but the most important thing, particularly for our purposes this morning, (coughs) is who Jesus is. In verse 3, it says that Jesus is the radiance of God's glory. The Hebrew word there is apugazma, and it means brightness, but it means more than that. It also means reflection. And reflection in the sense that the brilliance of Christ shows God's glory, but glory is not just a matter of light. It's not just a matter of seeing a bright light. In the Old Testament, God's glory indicated God's presence, and dwelling with his people. He also shows God's working. John 1.14. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. Thank you, sir. And we have seen his glory. Glory is the only son from the Father, full of grace and truth. John the apostle saw Jesus' glory. Actually, God's glory in Jesus. But what he saw wasn't a light. What he saw was the person of Christ. And he saw in the person of Christ the grace and truth of God the Father. And in John 2.11, this is uh, the uh, the wedding in Cana when Jesus turned water into wine. And John says, this is the first of his signs. Jesus did at Cana in Galilee and manifested his glory. And his disciples believed in him. Jesus turned the water into, when he did that, he didn't, um, <clears throat> there wasn't a bright light. There wasn't any kind of Display fireworks or anything like that. God simply turned the water into wine, and John says, We saw God's glory there. So, the apogosma, that's the Greek word of Christ, the the radiance. We see the image of God in the image of God's working. To reflect God's glory in this way presupposes that Jesus, the Son, shares the same essence as the Father, which leads us to our next point. In verse 3, Jesus is also the exact imprint of his nature. The Greek word translated exact imprint is character which you may guess that we get our English word character from. And while we get our word character from that, it's a challenge for Bible translators to express what the Greek word means, what it fully means. So I took a look at uh, Vine's complete expository dictionary of the Old and New Testaments, Old and New Testament words. And it says there that character denotes firstly a tool for graving or a tool for engraving. Then it means a stamp or an impress, as on a coin or a seal. In which, the, in which case, the seal or die which makes the impression bears the image produced by it, and vice versa. All the features of the image correspond respectively with those of the instrument producing it. <clears throat> I've got one more picture to show you here. It's a picture of a Roman coin. There it is. Roman coin's in pretty good shape. <clears throat> that is a uh, uh, an image of Caesar Augustus. I don't know if that's what he really looked like, but pretty good looking dude, I guess. That coin was produced in just the way that that word means, Character. There was a die made, and it was a negative image of, Augustus's profile, and then that coin was stamped, and there you have the image. So that's what's behind this word character. Now, in, I, I said it's a, it's a challenge for Bible translators to tra- translate the word. Here are, so, here are how some Bible translations translate that word. There are several of them here the representation of his essence, the exact representation of his nature. The exact representation of his being expresses the very character of God, the exact imprint of God's very being, the impress of his substance. As we go through this, you can probably see that there's a couple of main ideas in that. One is the idea of exact representation, the idea that the representation shows exactly what it purports to show. And second, the idea of nature, essence, or substance. The idea is that the representation is precisely The same, not just in form, but in being. Back to Vine's dictionary. In the New Testament, this word "character" is used metaphorically. Of the Son of God as the very image of his substance. The phrase expresses the fact that the Son is both personally distinct from and yet literally equal to him of whose essence the imprint is the imprint. The Son of God is not merely his image. He is the image or impress of the substance, of his substance or essence. A fellow named Johannes Huskin, who is a reformer, a contemporary of Martin Luther, said this about the word. Whatever glory is found in God, rather, even whatever is in the substance of God, this is totally and completely reflected in the Son. Thus we cannot detach from the Son anything that belongs by nature to the Father. So that you may continue to come that sorry that you may come to acquaintance with the Father only through the son, and that 's a key understanding of the word that we come to the Father only through the son and then i uh, I, I uh, wanted to try and find some more information, some more um, understanding of this word and, and it occurred to me that uh, we have somebody in our, in our congregation who uh, has some expertise in this area. Now, most of you know Tom McCardle as a righteous drummer who, uh, who uh, drums for us on, on some Sundays. He does, he's very good at that, but he's also an engraver. And from all um, reports, he's a very good engraver. So I asked Tom that uh, if he could give us any information or understanding uh, from the engraving world about this word and how we might understand it better. And he uh, he actually replied to me. It was amazing. <laughs> he, he said this. Before photos were used in printing, illustrations were often printed from metal sheets that had been engraved with the image that was to be used. The lines, curves, dashes, and dots cut into the metal, Im- cut into the metal made up the image, and then the ink was applied. Paper was pressed onto that, and the image was transferred to the paper. We still use this kind of engraving in our paper currency. The image of George Washington is engraved and then printed from steel plates onto the dollar bill. It's not actually George Washington, but a representation of him. And in contrast, Tom says, Christ is the express image of God, but he is also God. And then he said this, Like any form of illustration, this allows many people to see a representation of something they may not otherwise be able to see. And that really struck me. We can understand some things about God as we read through the scriptures. We can understand that he's creative. We can understand that he's powerful. We can understand <clears throat> that he's a loving God. We can understand that he's a God who will execute judgment on those who oppose him. We can understand many, many things about God, but we can't understand God fully or as, as much as our finite minds can allow us to understand unless we see Jesus Christ unless we see who God is through Jesus Christ, unless we see the love of God through Jesus Christ. John, the apostle, summed that up in John fourteen nine. Jesus said to him, Have I been with you so long, and you still do not know me, Philip? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? If somebody comes to you and says, I don't know God, I can't see God, I don't understand God, uh, I'm not even sure if God is there, point them to Jesus. Because that's how they'll see God. That's how we can see God. If you want to know who God is, read about Jesus. Read about who he is and what he did and how he showed his love and how he showed his salvation and how he accomplished his salvation. Point to Jesus. So. How does this relate to us? What's the relevance of all of this? Well, first of all, God has the power to back up what he says. He always fulfills what he says. He always fulfills his promises. Revelation 22, 1 through 5, it says, And the angel showed me the river, the water of life, bright as crystal flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb through the middle of the street of the city, also on either side of the river the tree of life with its twelve kinds of fruit yielding... Its fruit each month. The leaves of the trees of the tree were for the healing of the nations. No longer will there be anything accursed, but the throne of God and the Lamb will be in it, and his servants will worship him, and they will see his face, and his name will be on their foreheads, and night will be no more. They will need no light of lamp or sun, for the God will be their light, and they will reign forever and ever. Do you believe that? You should. Because God says it's going to happen. And we've seen that when God speaks, that he's going to do something that it's accomplished. Second, when God speaks, he acts. You, can have, you and I can have the confidence that when God says he will do something, he will do it. He is fully trustworthy. Three, God shows himself when he speaks. We see who he is and we see his character. We know that God will perform when he speaks because he has performed every time he has spoken. And finally, as much as our finite minds are capable of understanding, it is in Jesus we see everything about God, who he is, his character, his work. And summed up, God's work is the gospel. God has made it possible in Jesus for those who believe on Jesus to forgive their sins and make them a part of God's family. As Jesus, as Romans 5, 8 says, but God shows his love for us in that way we're yet sinners, Christ died for us. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for speaking. And while we've just barely scratched the surface of your speaking here today, Lord, we, we come away, I think, knowing or seeing, maybe seeing for the first time, how much you speak and how often you speak and how often you speak declares who you are declares your work and declares your purpose and declares father that we can be a part of your family because of jesus christ thank you lord for speaking thank you for speaking to us thank you for speaking to us as if we were the only one in the room with you thank you lord In jesus name amen